Thank you for the assist, Pastor Barry. <laughs> okay, well, um, you should, if you don't let me know, but you should have a handout near you if you want to use. Um, the reason I like to give these is that we're not going to be able to touch everything on the sheet. And particularly today, um, the content may be new for some of you. And I just kind of want to tell it as a story and occasionally read some of the verses. Um, but there are more verses than I listed. But I've listed places where I just put parentheses and Bible verses for you guys. And um, I just encourage you to look through on your own through your devotional time this week. Uh, my heart really is to whet your appetite about how the Lord Jesus, why and how he's coming to the earth. And uh, I just want to give a big picture today. Um, there's so many things we don't have time to talk about. But what we do, I just hope that uh, really stirs your heart to want to know more. That's my heart. And um, just like Jacqueline said, I am so happy to be here in Indianapolis. Um, my wife and I consider this our home base. So when we come here, it's a real treat. And uh, I really miss being here uh, every week. There's a cost to saying yes to the Lord. And uh, I really like what we get to do uh, at the House of Prayer, that mission base. But I also really miss being here with you. So I just want to say that and um, just really have enjoyed getting a chance to sit with a few of you this week and get to hear and get a, to, to get caught up. But I just really love being here and worshiping with you. And I really believe the Lord has, just when I was, um, just going to say it now because I said it first service, but when I was praying, I felt I saw the Lord, he has kind of uh, put up uh, an open foundation for you. It's a clear space, and I see it's a season of building, and um, a season really of unity building, and I feel like there, there's areas where you're going to be moving forward, and I just see that season coming, and it's here already. The Lord's brought people to you that, uh, that can help with that, so I just feel like that's the season you guys are in. Um, so what I want to talk about is a topic that's really not politically, politically correct, and my mouth is already tired from first service, so I'm just going to get some water and start over. <laughs> it's not a politically correct topic, it's a, but it is biblically, uh, it's a biblical topic, it's a biblically accurate topic. It's not politically correct for several reasons, um, but it's the topic on how the Lord is going to transition the earth when he comes as king and what it takes for him to return. And it's not correct because when he comes he's going to be sitting as a king from Jerusalem as a Jewish king ruling. So right now there's already groups of people that don't want a Jewish king ruling out of Jerusalem. So there's a contest about the land. So that's not popular for a group of people. But for this story that we're going to talk about today isn't popular for the Jewish people because most of them don't want him as king either. Either you know, they're uh, secular Jews or Jews that have not uh, looked at him up as the son of God or as the Messiah that's written in the Old Testament. They don't believe that. So that's not necessarily popular for them. And then how God draws their heart to turn to him is a very, it's a very, um, there's, dark, there's a dark place in that storyline, but the light of God is there through all as well. But it takes a lot. It, it's just going to require a lot in this storyline. You'll see. It's very challenging for them as to what they have to walk through. And then it's not popular for Gentile or believers that aren't Jewish because it really shows us in a way that our role is to provoke Jewish people to want Jesus more. Our role is God has right now poured his grace upon the Gentile church to grow in fullness so that then a season of time will come where then the Jewish component to the church of God will then be in the place that he will use to pour his glory through. So 
we're just so concerned. And usually, you know, in our mindset, it's like, this is the church. This is what God's going to do forever. Well, he's going to take Jewish believers and Gentile believers and merge them into one. So it's really interesting. God came as the son of God, as a Jewish person. We as Gentiles received Jesus. We got the riches from heaven. Now it's our turn to grow in the fullness of God, to go back and serve the nation of Israel so they can step into their rightful calling. It's back and forth like that. And then we all will come together. So we're really in a transitional time. And that time has been the last 2,000 years. <laughs> but it's speeding up. And so I want to talk about that today. So it's not really politically correct, but it is biblically correct. And so I've got these verses here. Now when I'm talking about supporting Israel, I'm not talking about every decision the government of Israel makes is correct, and I'm on board with that. I'm saying I'm supporting God's plans for the nation of Israel. Okay, so I want you to hear that. I want you to hear that because every nation has issues. There's no perfect nation. We all need the Lord's help. And um, so hear my heart on that. Um, so I want to pr provide an overview. I want to talk about how the Lord's returning today. But I don't just want to know the plan. I don't just want to see the, how the ball's being passed to score a basket, Israel being saved, the Lord Jesus returning, the earth being filled with God's glory. I, I want to know how that happens. But I also want to know the man that's behind creating this plan. Knowing a plan's fine, but you can just know a plan is be stuck here. I want to have my heart impacted because God chose this plan. And if he chose this plan, it's going to reveal his power. It's going to reveal his compassion and his mercy and his love in a whole new dimension. So really the last few years of my life, I've committed to studying this area, among other things, and not just studying like I'm in a book, I'm in a library with a bunch of books. I'm talking praying through it, giving time to it, and just working that muscle so the Lord can touch my heart. I want Jesus to touch my heart through studying this stuff. And so that's really my heart. I hope you can hear that. So today, we're going to just kind of talk through this. Some of the information will be new, but I just really hope that you get a bigger picture of why you're here. Just like all the young people that are up here. Each one of them has a purpose, like you do, for being here. I mean, there's over you know, 6,000 years of human history, and God chose to send you here now. You're sent here from the Lord. Why? You have a purpose to accomplish, and your story fits into this large story. You are in this story that we're talking about today. The, the Bible says in Ephesians that uh, we are created to do good works for the Father. And so you guys, you know, this is a very exciting time. So, okay, so Randy gave me the verse, uh, Exodus 8, 15, 18, it says, the Lord reigns. And when I read that, it reminded me, that was out of the Exodus story that, this, the, that the kids just looked at with BBS. And it reminded me that the Lord reigns, but we still don't see that fully realized on the earth today. So I'm going to talk about how the Lord reigns when he's coming as king. And it's the greater exodus. So let's just look at, uh, if you've got your notes, you can look on the screen. Um, Roman numeral one is that the Lord will reign as, ki as king of Israel forever. And it says that he will reign as king on the earth from an actual throne, an actual place in Jerusalem, the city of earthly Jerusalem. And at that time, every Jewish person will be saved. So right now there's 12 million uh, Jewish people on the earth. And um, if you look at Romans 11.26 with me, and it says, it's in your notes, on the screen, so all Israel will be saved. As it is written, the Deliverer, capital D, it's Jesus, 
Jesus will come out of Zion. Zion can be earthly Jerusalem or heaven, the heavenly city. This, in this case, it's the heavenly city. Jesus will come out of Zion, the heavenly city, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob. Now, have we seen this happen yet? Have we seen Jesus come out of Zion? Have we seen Jacob turn to Jesus yet? No, this is going to be fulfilled. And at that time when that happens, it says at the beginning of the verse, all Israel will be saved. This is a very dynamic time. So, and when he does that, he will have a nation that's fully saved, holy, and then from that nation he can release his glory to touch the Gentile nations. Touch America, touch China, touch different nations. Those people will send delegations just like we have summits of leadership, like the G8 or whatever, except Jesus will be calling it. He'll say, come here to learn how to do agriculture. Come here to solve this ethnic dispute between these two nations. Come here and learn about, these, you know, learn about things. It says in Isaiah 2, he'll actually teach them. And he teaches them the nations will turn their weapons into farming equipment. There will be a lasting peace. You, know, you can't get peace without Jesus as king. It doesn't work. And so he's going to do that. And so this is something we want. We want this to happen. It, it's so important for us, for the earth, and for our own story. Um, Jeremiah 3.17 says, At that time, this is the time the Lord returns, Jerusalem will be called the throne of the Lord. That means he will rule there personally. And all the nations will be gathered to Jerusalem. And no more shall they, the nations, follow the dictates of their evil hearts. And so Jesus will help them learn how to release righteousness in their nations. Just think about now, for the most part, the kingdom of God really is invisible within us, right? Didn't Jesus say to his disciples, the kingdom of God is within you, Holy Spirit living in us. And when we do things, it's released through us, you know, it's released to our family, it's released to, through people, you know. But, well, and also a uh, situation is that we as people, many times the righteous are not very visible. <laughs> most of the people that get a lot of coverage, it's people that are doing things that for their own desire, their own will, people that are using power for themselves, most of the time. Those places of influence are really controlled over by the enemy. But there will come a time when Jesus is king, he will set those people in place that are righteous. And the kingdom of God will be completely visible. And righteousness will flow like a river. Just imagine that flipped on its head. That's why we want this. Now, for him to return as king, it, it, there's several factors, but one key factor, the most critical one, is that the people that were responsible for killing him need to accept him. Even though it was the Romans that crucified him, it was a lot of the Jewish leaders that cried out, crucify him. Jesus said, if you look with me in Matthew 23:39, he said, I say to you, O people of Jerusalem, you shall see me no more. In other words, you're not going to see me anymore after this happens, after the crucifixion, after I rise from the dead. You're not going to see me anymore until you say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. In other words, until you receive me. He is Jesus. Until you receive me as the one that comes in the Lord's name, that is the Lord Father, that I'm the Son of God, that I'm the Messiah. When you receive me, I will return. So God has like totally told us his game plan. He's put it in the scripture. He's shown us. He's very confident, but he won't violate our free will to do it. So 
it's, this is the wonderful thing about the Lord. He lets people choose. You get a choice in how you handle the story. And, and so the Lord has said that to us. So he has to devise a circumstance for the Jewish people to want him to come back. There has to be a circumstance for them to cry out, Jesus, we need you. You see it in the Old Testament, don't you? And, and so that's one of the major factors, to ask for God, the God of the Bible, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God who is uh, the Lord Father of Jesus, to come help. If you look in letter C, that's a problem, though. How do you have people desire you if, if they don't want you or they're not aware of you or they're blinded? And God's, you know, really what the Lord says is, I think I've seen this pattern in the Bible, but God uses the least. He's not the source of evil, but he uses, he will use evil. He'll use the least, he will allow it to happen, the least amount of evil for the greatest amount of good without violating anyone's free will to turn them to God, to turn them to himself. And so what we're going to look at the next 15 minutes is this situation with that principle, how Israel will be put in a position for the greatest good, for them and the earth. And, of course, Satan has an agenda. I mean, he can read this too. He knows if there's no Jewish people, then no King Jesus can return. You can't have a Messiah, Jesus, ruling from Jerusalem without a Jewish people that want him. So God has put himself in a corner, but, it, I mean, we all know that that's really an easy corner for God to stand in because he's the creator of everything. But the enemy, obviously, has got a way to want to thwart God's plans. If you look with me, we can learn, Roman numeral 2, about what's going to happen through the Exodus story. And so as I go through this, the next moments, you can just kind of see what happened in the Old Testament with Moses and the children of Israel leaving Egypt. There's a connection to what God's going to do in the future. That story points ahead to what God will do. It's one of many stories in the Old Testament that points ahead. Except, letter A, their deliverance, Israel's deliverance, will be far more global and far, that situation on the earth will be far more intense than it was in the Exodus. It will impact every nation, and it will be far more intense. There will be a lot more issues and things happening in people's lives, and nations falling, things crumbling, the created order, uh, things strange happening in the created order. Many people, it says it will be um, more rare than fine gold for a person's life. So there will be a lot of loss of human life. But the Lord is God over all of this. He's going to transition the earth. When it looks like God's not in charge, he's in charge. He's transitioning the earth for Jesus to come back. The first main overlap from the Exodus story is letter B, where I'm at, is he's going to allow for an evil king, very similar to the one like Pharaoh over Egypt, to come into influence and actually oppress the Jewish people. But this king will be far more wicked, sinister, demonically inspired, scheming than Pharaoh was. And the Bible calls this man the Antichrist. Actually gives him several names, like the lawless one in Second Thessalonians, or the beast in Revelation 13, or a little horn in Daniel 7. Anytime the Bible lists multiple different names for one person, it's like a flashing neon light. Pay attention. Pay attention. And some of those names describe his character, the beast. He's doing horrible things. little horn means a, a ruler. He'll be a very insignificant ruler, but then all of a sudden come into power. And we could talk about this a lot more, but the point is, is that they will make a treaty with this man sometime in the future. And when they do, the Bible's very clear, there's a three and a half year time period after that treaty where Israel will be more oppressed and in greater danger than they've ever been since they were a nation. And um, 
Let's look at a few of the verses about this time of trouble. Daniel 12.1. It says, There will be a time of trouble such as never was since there was a nation, even to that time. And at that time, your people, so it's talking to Daniel, your people, the Israel, your people shall be delivered. So the Lord highlights there's a specific time of trouble for Israel coming. Now, if you think about this with me, since a time of trouble for them that's beyond what's ever happened since their nation, can you think of the last 3,000 years of Jewish history? Can you think of other times of trouble? Nothing will, this will be far worse. Okay, so this I don't take pleasure in teaching this part, but it's a part of the Lord's plan that will you'll see them be saved. Each of these verses says, and they will be saved. Um, look at Jeremiah 37. It says, alas, for that day is great. The day is what we're talking about. It's the time period when Israel is under this man's oppression. A day is great so that none is like it. And it is the time of Jacob's trouble. Jacob's another word for Israel. It's the time of Israel's trouble. Look, it's almost the same phrasing as Daniel 12. But he, Jacob, will be saved out of it. So the Lord was promised, just like the other verse, he's going to save them. And so, obviously, the enemy, the devil, is empowering this man. And his goal will try to be to eradicate the Jewish people. Be far worse than Hitler, what Hitler did in World War II, because he'll have more resources and more nations to help him. And it'll be a far more global persecution, just for instead of parts of Europe. Be far more global. And um, at that time, and there's verses here you can look at later, so I just let you look at these later, but you can just uh, you know absorb this with me right now, is that many Jews will be in prison camps, and even Jerusalem will be attacked in this time period. And this is, a, again, a three-and-a-half-year time period. It says that, again, in many ways. It says it by saying 42 months, 1,260 days, and a times time-and-a-half. That's a Jewish way of saying three-and-a-half years. It's saying the same time period in four different ways. Do you think that's important? It's very important. It's very important. The Lord's giving us a heads-up about that. I think for many, because you'll need to have that so that you can endure in faith. It's a set amount of time. The, Lord's, the Lord has set this time. It's the Lord's time, even though it looks dark. The Lord's doing something with this. He has the times in his hands. One of the verses that just talks about the difficulty of time for the Jewish people, Zechariah 13:8, And it says, And it shall come to pass in all the land, it's talking about Israel, says the Lord, that two-thirds in it shall be cut off and die but one-third shall be left. This verse is not talking about an, a previous time in Israel's history. This has not happened yet. And this verse could not happen until just 60 years ago. 2,000 years there wasn't any Jews in the land. This is only able to be fulfilled of the last 60 years in human history. Does that make sense? So there's a significant time period we're living in here. Um, this verse is actually able, uh, and many other verses, not just this one, very more glorious verses. This one is obviously a darker verse, but it helps us know the Lord's saying what will happen. But if we were to look further on that, one-third Jesus will preserve. and He'll bring them through the fire and they'll be saved. So there's good news in this. You may be thinking, what is the church doing? <laughs> Where is the church in this? We're just talking about Jewish people. What about us? Well, the good news is that God will release judgment. See, Exodus calls them plagues. 
ten plagues, right? The river turns the blood, the frogs come, the gnats. Those plagues weakened Pharaoh, right? It, won, it, it weakened his resolve. It tried to soften his heart. It, it also weakened the resources of Egypt. They didn't have water. They, their, their animals died. In the coming years, at this set three and a half year time, God will release 21 plagues. It's not the devil doing it. And it's not going to happen against the church. There's a lot of misconceptions about this. It's the church praying for help because of the persecution on the earth and praying for the Jewish people for God's purposes to be established. And then the Lord will answer from heaven and release plagues like he did in the days of old. And he will do that for four. There's four things that will be accomplished through these plagues. They're called judgments. One is that will give wicked people on the earth time to repent. Instead of God just saying, okay, human history is over, all of you go to hell now. He's going to say, over this time period, these three and a half years, it's going to get more and more intense, and here's what you're choosing. Don't choose this. Don't choose these things. If you look at some of the judgments, it actually, there's actually demonic beings coming out on the earth. <laughs> He's basically saying, this is what you're choosing. These are the things that will torment you later. I'm giving you a couple months taste of it now. That's, I know it sounds so intense and so like raw, but it's the Lord's mercy because he really doesn't want them to go to hell. And I know there's a popular teaching in America that there's no hell forever. But I'm, I'm telling you, there is a hell and then the hell will be thrown into a lake of fire. That's burning, burning fire um, for people. It's a reality. And the Lord is doing this to get people, wicked people to turn to him. He loves people. It's his heart for people. And many won't turn. That tells you the hardness of heart. Just like Pharaoh's heart was hardened, he's like, no. I'm my own God. I do what I want. That same reality will happen on the earth, but on a more global scale. And of course that breaks God's heart. But he has to transition to the earth to the coming of his son because we have things that he wants to accomplish on the earth. He has glory he wants to release for people. And so that's one thing. The other thing is that those judgments actually strengthen the church. Because many Christians will lose their life. Many Christians will be in uh, oppression, losing jobs, losing things. But God will strengthen the church in this hour. The church will be more glorious than we see right now. The church will be like, like Moses prayed and the Lord answered. Imagine a community of people praying and the Lord answered. And the Lord says in the Revelation, it says the spirit and the bride say, come Lord Jesus. So the bride, will, it says the bride will make herself ready. The bride isn't ready right now. But in this hour, the bride will be ready. That means that the, it'll be far more miracles, signs and wonders, maturity than you read about the book of Acts. The church will be walking in victory over this and not in fear. Look at the apostles in the book of Acts. They're not afraid. That will be us. That'll be the church. And, the, and when the generation of this happens, the glory of the bride, people getting saved in mass numbers, people getting healed, food being multiplied. I mean, you're like, how do we get there? Well, that Lord is waiting on us to mature to get there. We are the, I mean, we are the answer. I mean, he's waiting on us to mature into the fullness. So the church will be strengthened. Um, number three is that he will, these plagues will destroy the Antichrist, his regime, his, his, uh, the, the nations that are supporting him will, will weaken them, weaken their, those nations, just like it did to Egypt. And then fourthly, it will actually deliver Israel. And so you, you can read about those in Revelation. But see, when this happens, how the Lord Jesus delivers Israel, when they cry out to him in this time, in this hour, he will come, it says in Revelation 1-7, every eye will see him. He'll come marching across the sky with all the saints with him and resurrected bodies and the mighty angels. 
on, they'll be on fire. The angels are from, they're clothed in heavenly fire. They'll be going around heaven, and then Jesus will be on the earth. And there's passages here that talks about him marching through the land, the glorified Jesus. It's not the Jesus from the manger. It's not the Jesus on the cross. It's the Jesus from Revelation that has eyes of fire. He's, he's got a beautiful, radiant appearance. And it says, after he liberates Jewish people that are trapped in prison camps, he will approach the Antichrist and destroy him by the breath of his mouth. <sighs> Dead. That's our king. That's our king. There'll be such a contrast between the beauty and glory of heaven and the darkness that's on the earth at that hour. But that's our king, and that's who we want to come back. And then he will plead with Israel, it says. He'll plead with Israel in the wilderness, just like Israel was at Mount Sinai. He'll plead with them. Like on Mount Sinai, they were given the Ten Commandments. But he'll plead with them and show them probably the marks on his hands and say, it's me. And it says at that moment, they'll all be saved, and he'll bring them into the land and set up his throne and his government. And then some point in this story... Just, we need to, I need to bring this. At some point in this story, you know, within this year period, the saints, the Gentile and Jewish believers that were, that were Christians, will come before Jesus in person, one by one, and will have an evaluation. And so we will be inheriting his kingdom, that he, that the kingdom he gets from his father when he sets up his throne. We will get to participate in that kingdom. So in other words, heaven begins on earth. Many people think, like, when I go to heaven, I'll just be, like, way out, and I don't know what I'm doing. But there's a heavenly city called the New Jerusalem that will be up above in the earth, and then also the Lord will begin transforming the earth. But each of us, right now, we're just living in this life for 70 years or so. This is a time where we get to choose what we're about. This is, like, I like to call it kind of like a 70-year internship. You know, in interns, you know, you get different experiences and stuff, and then you get a job. It's, internship still counts, right? I mean, if you just blow off your internship, you're not going to get that job, right? And the internship determines your skill set. And, and I'm not just talking about your gifting, like, you know, can you teach or are you, are you, can you manage money? But that's a part of it. But it's even your heart, what you've developed, your maturity, your love, your joy. Those are the things the Lord really, he, he really cares about that. And you'll stand before the Lord and then he will evaluate and to reward you. Not to punish you, to reward you. And then he'll give you a place in his government. The government that he sets up on the earth. You may have jobs up in the New Jerusalem or jobs down on the earth. I don't know. But you will be given a job. You have things to do. You'll be in a physical body. Pretty exciting, huh? This life is so short. When I started studying this, I'm thinking, Lord, I want to use what I have for you, and I want to grow deeper in you, so when I see you, I'm not disappointed. I won't be like, I wish somebody told me. I don't want to look at Jesus and say, I wish somebody told me that. I'll be looking at you in 60 years, and I'll, you're going to ask me what I, what I did with my heart and my life that you gave me, and that you wanted to give me more, because he wants to give us more. The heart of the Father is to have us encounter more of who he is and to enjoy more. And that he wants to entrust us with what he's created. He's raising up sons and daughters to inherit his creation. He wants other people to take charge of his creation. Can he trust us? And so, and this is a pivotal hour, not just for Israel, but for all believers. Because it's when, the, kind of like, you know, when a, a president of America comes in the office, they have their rollout plan, like here's the four or five things my my, I'm going to do when I get elected. Jesus is going to have a rollout plan. And it's going to be awesome. And I want to be a part of that. 
Because I, you know, I want to taste that. I want to be, you know, be as close to him as I can. And um, so this is exciting to me. So he'll rule from uh, is, uh, Jerusalem. And if you just look on letter H or letter G, it, this will demonstrate to all the nations, not just to Egypt like in the Old Testament, that Jesus is God and he came from the Father. And then letter H, he'll rule from Jerusalem like we mentioned. You know, and we don't have this on the screen, but Isaiah 9 you know, is a very popular Christmas passage. And rightfully so. It says, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the what? government will be on his shoulders. Now, when Jesus was a baby, did he have the government on his shoulders? He didn't. Now, he has, we know in heaven right now, he's, he is over all things, but it hasn't been actualized on the earth. He will actually have the government on his shoulders when he's ruling from Jerusalem. The government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Everlasting Father, Mighty Counselor, Prince of Peace. And in the increase of his government, there will be no end. That means on the increase on the earth... His government will touch every nation and will be no end, have no end. So you see that verse in the context of this. It totally shifts this verse, doesn't it? So we can use that for Christmas and also for when we think about the Lord returning. So then letter I. Now Israel will be in the nation. They'll be fully saved. And then Jesus as their king will pour his glory through them to touch the Gentile nations and begin to trans- earth, transition the earth back to righteousness to prepare it for the Father. You know, because the Father, I didn't put this in the notes, but this is what really gets me jazzed. The Father wants to come and live with us. This is just another phase before the Father comes in his throne in heaven and makes his dwelling. It says the dwelling place of God will be with man forever. The Father wants to come and live with us. So he is doing this with the Lord Jesus to transition it for his coming. Just like John the Baptist prepared the way for Jesus, Jesus prepares the way for the Father. But we're, we're like the John the Baptist generation, and the ones that God's sending after us is to prepare the way for Jesus. So we prepare the way for the Lord Jesus, he prepares the earth for the Father, and then the kingdom of God will be fully actualized on the earth. We get to live face to face with the Father. The beauty of who he is, the creator the devil's lied so much about him. The Father, I can't wait to see his kindness with my eyes. Think about, you just look at him, the Father. Think about all the healing that will just start happening. All the restoration, all of the expansion. I mean, you can sit before him. Think about how much more uh, you'll grow in so quick of a time. You'll be able to talk to him. Everybody else is talking to him, looking at the beauty of the Father. And so, when Jesus rules from the earth, he'll begin to transform the earth into conditions like it was before the fall. It actually says in Isaiah, it will be rare for a man to be 100 years old. If he dies at 100, they'll think he's cursed. The life of a man will return to the life of a tree. And so the people, you know, you read in the Old Testament, those guys that like live 900 or 700 years, that'll actually start happening once Jesus returns because the curse will be lifted off the earth. And the last enemy to be vanquished, to be destroyed is what? Death. Death is the last enemy. So that'll probably happen, my thought, is through at the beginning of Israel first, because that's where Jesus is dwelling. You know, it's like where there's a fire, it's the warmest close to the fire. So when Jesus is ruling as king, a lot of those effects will be close to that around Israel, but it'll start spilling into the nations over time, during this time when Jesus rules on the earth. So we're kind of wrapping up here. 
let's look at Romans 11:12 on under letter I. It says, just I just want to whet your appetite. This is what Paul wrote in Romans 11. He says, if their fall, that's Israel's, that's when Israel forsook Jesus and didn't receive him. If their fall is riches for the world and their failure, riches for the Gentiles. So in other words, when they denied Jesus, the gospel came to the Gentiles, right? So we have Jesus living in us. We have eternal salvation, healings, wonderful things. We have the riches now of heaven in us as the Gentile church. Because Israel fell, God turned to the Gentiles. If that's the case, Paul says, how much more will Israel's fullness impact the world, impact the nations? So I want you to imagine a river here. And it's supposed to be this tall. It's supposed to be over my head. And right now it's down to my ankles. But I like this river. It's awesome. It's clean water. It's refreshing. That's where we are right now. We, we got the kingdom of God coming here. It's, he's, it's on the earth. People are getting healed. People have been raised from the dead. People are getting saved. People are meeting God. They're getting, they're, they're, their mindset, things are restored. But when I think what this verse is saying, when Jesus comes and he begins to use Israel as a vehicle to release his glory, it'll be like it'll be in a river like this, deep, as far as the glory of God on the earth. And Habakkuk 2.14 says, The earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God, the glory of the Lord, as the waters cover the sea. Now, I don't see that right now, but I believe that's going to happen. I believe the glory of God will be covering everything. I see, I see both right now. I see growing church, and I see darkness. I see shaking. I see violence. But I see the Lord raising up a church. But it will come a point where the glory of God will cover the earth. Amen? Amen. <laughs> so, hallelujah, Lord. We just thank you for that, Lord, what you're going to do. And, and I like to talk about this because it motivates me for where I'm living right now. I've heard a lot of things in the past. You don't talk about this stuff because you can't understand it. Or it's just out there and it doesn't impact your life. It's a waste of time. I just don't buy that. The more I've given myself to studying this, the more motivated I have been giving to give Jesus my heart. And the more I see how I fit in his end time big picture plan. And if it's not for me, I'm going to help Isaac step into this, my son. If it's not Isaac, it's for his kids. How soon do we need to, I mean, how long should we wait to start teaching these things and learning them? And so here's four things I think we can do to respond. Uh, Letter B, one is together we can return to the loving God. (laughs) Like, God, I want to give you my mind, what I think about. I want to give you my heart, what I choose to do and my desires. I want to give you my soul. I want to give you my strength, my time, my energy. What does that look like? The Lord says, if you give me, get, live out of the first commandment, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, we will encounter the Lord in a dramatic way. And it, I'm telling you, it's hard sometimes. I, mean, I, I just, many days I'm like, oh, that was a tough day. I'm going to start over tomorrow. That's why I think God gave us days. You know, you mess up one day, you start over again. Hit delete. So... Um, return to the Lord. I think, two, to study, digest, and know the biblical storyline regarding the earth's salvation. I think we're very focused, and, and overall around the world, particularly in the West, focusing on personal salvation. But if you look at the big picture, it's so motivating. We need both. Not just how I'm saved by myself, but what God's doing to the earth. So let's be, let's, he told Jeremiah, eat the scroll. So let's decide to study and digest this. 
You know, when I first started doing this, it was so strange to me. Something in me was like, yes. And then when I read the passages myself, I'm like, I'm so confused. And, uh, and so I found other teachers that I thought were, thought were very uh, consistent and steady. And I just worked at it. And sometimes I'd be afraid because I didn't get it. Sometimes I think I'd never understand it. And I, I'm learning, but I feel like there's parts of it that are starting to come into focus for me. And it's actually it's marking my heart. I feel a boldness and a joy that I hadn't felt before because of the Lord's plan, because I'm getting to know the Lord. And so I just throw that out to you. It's not, like a, it's not a microwave study here. It's, it's a study that takes some time. But if you just say, you know what, I'm going to try this so many hours a week, find some teachings. There's a resource below I showed you. on um, the director of the House of Prayers. His name is Mike Bickle. He has great biblical teaching in this area. And um, you just, over the course of some time, you will see a shift happening for yourself. Uh, number three, ask the Lord for God's heart for the nation of Israel. The, the Lord's heart for Israel. What God is going to do. Um, again, they may not as a country always do what the Lord's calling them to do, like any nation, but I can agree with God's purposes for Israel. I'm commanded to, actually. And if you look at Psalms and Isaiah later, it says he's raising up people to pray for the nation of Israel because the enemy's opposing that so that God could come as king. So maybe some of you today are being stirred to pray for Israel, or maybe even you're thinking, wow, this is interesting. He's calling people around the world to begin to learn this story so they can be better intercessors and people can stand for God's purposes for Israel. And you'll need God's help to do that. So I always ask Ephesians 1, God, give me revelation. Help me, because I, I don't know how to do this. <laughs> so I just, if that happens, that's very normal. God, help me grow in this. And then lastly, four, I just be prepared. Everybody in this room, or if not you, your family after you, will be tested in how you agree with God's purposes for the Jewish people. You'll each be tested and evaluated when you stand before the Lord. And Matthew 25 talks about that. And so, amen and amen. If um, we could have some uh, music or worship music on, I just want to, let's just all stand here. Take a deep breath. You know, if some of this, you, you're like, what in the world? You can even just grab a few things from this and, and just study that or let it think about the Lord in that way. That would really, I'm sure, delight the Lord if you could use them. And maybe there's things that are challenging something you've learned in the past. Take that and wrestle it out. You will, at the end, be so thankful. And I just give you these verses for you to seek it out. I just want to empower you to find out what you want to believe in this area. So let's just, let's just come before the Lord together. Father, we just thank you for today. And I just want to ask a blessing over um, the church here, the Vineyard Church, and over my friends here in this room together. We ask for your blessing. Lord, we want to value what you value. We want to agree with what you're agreeing with. We want to be your friend. You want to just, if you agree with me in this area, if you just want to say, Lord, I want to value what you value, just say it, you know, to the Lord right now. I want to value what you value. And if you can, even look at him in the eyes of your heart, you know, just imagine you're looking at him. God, I want to value what you value. And God, I want to grow in your plan, what you're doing. If you, if you want that, just ask the Lord, God, I want to grow 
in your plan and what you've written in the scriptures. And Lord, we want to know you behind the plan. God, we ask that all fear that's related to this message, Lord, that would drop in the name of Jesus, Lord. And Father, that we know you're a good God and you will always lead us. You will always lead us, Lord. And you have us in the palm of your hand. Lord, we ask that you would release revelation on us as a people to understand what you've written. God, we need your help. We ask for revelation. So I just bless you guys as a church to grow in the knowledge of the Lord, to be one of the churches in this region that provokes this region, Jewish people and others, to the knowledge of God. That your life would show Jesus and they would see that and want to know Jesus. They would, they would get a flavor for the kingdom that's coming. The kingdom that's here, but the kingdom that's coming in fullness. That your life would be that. I just bless you that you are that. You are the carriers of the Lord's kingdom. I just sense too, just a lot of willing people, and maybe not just in this message, but there's people willing in this room to serve God. I feel like you have been around the block, and you're ready to, for the Lord to use you. And you're like, God, I want, to, I want you to use me, and I just want to bless you today. The Lord hears that prayer. He is going to use you, and he's going to reveal himself to your heart. And you don't have to worry about that. He's going to use you. He has a plan for you. And you fit into this big plan, but he has a specific small plan that's just tailor-made for you because he made you. I, if, that's, if that's you, I'm, uh, if that resonates with you, I want to pray for you today. I want you to come forward at some time if you want prayer or ask someone next to you to pray for you. I feel like the Lord's highlighting that. Don't be afraid. God has a personal plan to use you. If you would like to grow and to pray for Israel's God's purpose for Israel, if you'd like to grow in this message, I invite you to come forward at some point. Uh, we want to pray for you too. We will have people up here to pray for you. Or if this message brought something else to mind that you want prayer for, a need or a concern, by all means, please don't leave with uh, some type of negative emotion. Come, let the Lord minister to you. So we just bless you today. We just this is an invitation to encounter God. Sometimes when you teach a message, if you feel a negative emotion, that's, that's okay. I've been there numerous times. It's an invitation to let the Lord touch you there. doesn't mean I did anything wrong. doesn't mean you did anything wrong. It just means that there's something the Lord wants to touch in your life. I just invite you to let Jesus touch you before you go home today.